I'll say it again. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Pastor John Sunkrant here at Heights Christian Church. And I just wanted to welcome you here today. I know sometimes I forget to tell you my name. Most of you know it. Some of you do not. That's on me, not anybody else. If you have not picked up your book, they are out there. Jeremy's already said this. And also we have bookmarks if you don't want the book. So, how many of you were able to read last week's lessons? Just, just one of you? <laughs> Trick question, you're right. All right, so, when I first started writing sermons, I'd asked uh, Jeremy to um, preview my sermons. And a few times, more than once, he, he said, uh, your introduction's too long. Cut it down to just a few minutes. Well, unfortunately, today I have 15 pages of introduction. <laughs> so, and that's a beautiful thing. So today we're going to get started with uh, uh, the epistles, the introduction to such. So, tomorrow we will start on this journey of going through the epistles. We will be going through them until until October 8th with the sermon on October 9th. So we'll be in this book for a little while. So today we get to look at all of them. There are 21 epistles in Scripture in the New Testament out of 27 books. We've already done Romans and Hebrews, so we get to do 19 and to have a guy up here who loves to, to give you Scripture. To have to preach over 19 books is like a godsend. So, so what is an epistle? An epistle is nothing more than a letter, and in this case, it's an apostolic letter written by the apostles to the people of the churches and sometimes to the individuals. Paul wrote 12 of the ones we are going to be doing out of the 19. And so that's a significant amount to write. Paul, having come to Christ after, let's face it, murdering Christians for believing in Christ, came to Christ himself, and then he went all in. He went all in in who Jesus Christ was because as a Pharisee of Pharisees, he understood what the Old Testament was. He understood the prophecy concerning the Messiah. And so Paul went all in because he knew that Jesus Christ had fulfilled every one of those prophecies and the only one to do so. Um, He preached from prison. He wrote the Gospels from prison. Uh, He has, let me see, there are two types of epistles. Those are the Pauline epistles and the general epistles. Paul wrote um, two subtypes, and that was the prison ones where he wrote from prison, and then the pastoral ones that he wrote to uh, Timothy and to Titus. And that was to guide them through what they were needing to do as a young church and pastors of those church. And so these were written between 52 and 100 A.D., so some of them predate the Gospels that were written. People knew Paul and the other disciples and the other apostles went throughout the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the epistles were started because they were having wrong thinking about what they were taught about who Christ was. And so these epistles were written to these people 
and to these churches to to straighten them out in what they were doing. And so right now, we're going to do Pastor Mark's favorite thing, and let's look at a map. Woohoo! When he comes up. There it is. All right. So, way down here, above Egypt and Arabia, we have Judea, and here is Jerusalem. We see Samaria, and I will have notes on this. And we go up, and here's Syria. But we see, let me see, Syria, or Samaria, which is right in here. I know it's hard to see. We have Caesarea. We have Tyre right here. Sidon right there. And we have Galilee, which is right over in here, as well as Phoenicia. Now, the reason I'm going through all of these is because... Every one of these places is named in the next 19 books that we are going to study. So continuing up from Phoenicia, we see that we have Damascus, which is right there. That's where they make the pretty knife blades. Mm -hmm. Some of y'all caught that joke. Uh, Let me see. And then we have Cilicia right here. And, And right here is Tarsus, where Paul is from. And we have two places. Right here is Antioch, and right over here is Antioch. So when they say they went to Antioch, don't ask me. I have no idea. They went to one of them. So we have Cappadocia, and north of that is Pontus. And then just northwest of Tarsus, we see Galatia right up in here. And then we have Bithynia right up in here. So these places are going to be named in the scripture that we are going. And they're right here below the Black Sea. And over to the west we have, there's Sardis right there. There's Philadelphia. There's Laodicea. And let me see, there's Colossae right there. So these are the areas right south of where Asia is located. The word Asia up here on the map. And then over to the west, we see Smyrna, which is right there. And we have Ephesus, which is right below it to the south. Now, if we head over to the Aegean Sea, right over in here is Patmos. Now that's where John spent some of his time. And apparently if you type that into the, into the search engine, you will find pictures of it. And apparently there's a cave where John stayed. So I, I now have a new thing on my bucket list. Y'all been? We have people who've been there. That's pretty awesome. And so, all right, moving northwest from there, we have Philippi right up in here. Northwest, just north of the Aegean Sea. And we have Thessalonica right here in the Macedonian area. Right there's Mount Olympus. I don't think it's mentioned at all. But anyway, right here is Delphi. There's Athens. And right over here to the west, kind of southwest of of, uh, Athens is Corinth. Right here is Crete. And that will be mentioned. 
And then way over here, we have Rome. Right there next to the Tyrrhenian Sea. I think that's how you pronounce it. So anyway, this is the, the locations of the places that we are going to be studying in the next couple of months. Four months, five months, till October, okay? So, you can get back where I was. So who received these letters? The recipients of the letters were usually to the churches, those that were named after the authors. Um, Corinthians was sent to the church of God in Corinth. And the same thing with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and Thessalonians. And so the original audience was to the Christians who were in these churches. And this was to help teach them what a life in Christ entailed and how to act right. So the ones written by Paul, like I said earlier, are the Pauline epistles. And uh, he was under house arrest when he wrote several of them. And the pastoral epistles that he wrote, one and two, uh, Timothy and Titus, uh, were to guide them into uh, their ministry. And then there are general epistles. Uh, these are the ones written by the other ones who did not have a two except for to the Christians or to the believers. And we'll get to that shortly. So right now we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 through 3. And Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all of who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's fairly straightforward, opening introduction to a letter. So right now we're going to look at uh, Galatians chapter 1, 1 through 5. So Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So this introduction was not only from Paul, but everybody that was with him. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul added a little bit more on the blessing uh, to uh, the Galatians. Now, as a beautiful reminder of who God and Jesus Christ are to us as believers. These two are just an example of how Paul begins his letters. How would you like to receive a letter where someone said, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ? At the very first part of that letter, how would you like that? So imagine getting something like that from the government. Might go something like this Internal Revenue Service. A servant of Jesus Christ and of God our Father to John of Teheris. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if I receive something like that, I might be inclined to read the rest of the letter. I probably wouldn't have as many anxieties when I read the things. And it certainly would cut down on the amount of Dear John letters I receive. 
So why were these written? Some of these epistles predate the writings of the gospel by many years. The people who knew Jesus, who knew who Jesus was and were told in person through the disciples about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but many times there was strife or contentions, incorrect doctrines, and incorrect thinking and actions perpetrated by many of the people of the early church. Now these letters sought to correct bad thinking about what a life in Christ was all about. And for a good example of this, let's look at Second Peter to see how quickly wrong thinking and actions are addressed. We'll look at Second Peter 1, verses 1 through 11. So Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained the like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to all of us, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who, is call, who called us by glory and virtue. By which, have, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Well, that escalated quickly. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is how quickly Peter addressed the issues there. He told them what to do. He didn't mess around with, with flowery words. He didn't tickle their ears. He didn't put their minds at ease. He went straight to the heart of the matter. He spoke truth. He spoke it quickly to those who were wrong, but he spoke it in love. But it was straightforward truth. Now he gives us a great reminder of what being in Christ is all about. Forsaking the sins of the past and moving forward with relationship with Christ and being given an abundance of into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the hope that we have. Now, Peter didn't chastise people. He did not tell them what to do, but he did not, he did not chastise them and then not tell them what to do to fix the problems. He told them what to do, and neither did the others. They all point to a life in Christ, and that is to love God and love your neighbors. That is what he told them to do. So let's look at how John handles this in 1 John. So 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, 
which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we dare declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Those are harsh words. Yes, that was the entire chapter of 1 John. I chose that for a reason because I want you to see what the apostles and the disciples, the writers of these epistles were saying to people. That there is a life in Christ and there are things you do wrong and we're going to tell you how to fix that. So I'd speculate just by reading this there that there are those who profess Christ but do not live as if they have never known who he is. Now, why else would John talk about light and darkness except to say that those who claim to be in the light but walk in darkness have no part in the light? We will see as we read through these epistles that the apostles, say that three times, the epistles and the apostles, gave correction to those who followed Christ who were thinking incorrectly. And this should cause them to repent. You know, the other day at men's prayer group, which happens right here at Heights every Thursday morning at 6.30, I read a devotional about repentance, which stated that we should alter our thinking, A-L-T-E-R, and that we should alter our thinking, A-L-T-A-R. That is, we are to put our old way of thinking on the altar and offer it up to God so that he can transform our minds into his way of thinking. We are to repent or change our minds and direction away from committing these sins. It is further stated that repentance is more than just turning from wrong action. It is embracing right action. I found that fairly profound. And this is what the epistles were seeking to do is to correct these wrong actions and thinking and steer them towards the right action and the right thinking, and to embrace truth. So think about this as you think about the men of this church who show up every Thursday morning at 6.30 to pray for one another, to ask for correction in their thinking, to ask for intervention, interceding from brothers for things that they worry about. This is what we do Thursday morning. And it's not only this church. We have a probably a couple of other churches that are represented here as well. 
we've seen many prayers answered in this group. And this is my shameless plug for men's prayer group, which meets right here every Thursday at 6.30 in the morning. And we pray more by 8 a.m. than most people do all day. And it's a beautiful thing when men get together and pray. It's a beautiful thing when women get together and pray and fellowship with one another, as we saw with Vasihas yesterday. So why do these epistles matter? Well, as I stated before, they gave guidelines. Guidance, encouragement, chastisements, and corrections. Is there anyone here that doesn't need any of these? If you're like me, you need every one of them. Or perhaps you need all of them, but you want to hear it from someone that doesn't know you. Right there in Scripture. And yet, somehow, they know everything you're going through. Let's look at Second John to see what was said about encouraging as well as a warning for something not right. And we'll go to Second John, uh, verses 4 through 8. It only has one chapter. So. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received a commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning. You should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that you do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. So that is awesome that some of the children walked in truth. That is, they became believers. They're Christians. And John continues to tell her to love one another. This is what Christ commanded us to do. And then he tells her to beware of evil people that are amongst her, that's in her midst. And these things can be applied today, the rejoicing of our children coming to Christ, the exhortation to love one another, as well as a warning of people with evil intentions in their hearts who are among us. Jude has the same warning. Let's look at Jude, verses 3 and 4. Beloved, while I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, Ungodly men who turn their grace, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a stern warning from Jude indeed. These are the things we are going to be studying through October, or partway through October. So while I won't go much into the three Johns or Jude, because they are one chapter each, uh, first John has five chapters, so that's why I did that one. I want you to see the epistles and how they are important today. Each one of these might become a personal letter written to each of us depending on our current life situations. Imagine Jude writing to you 
a letter telling you to continue to pursue Christ and the godly things in faith, but giving you a warning about evil people who make a mockery of Jesus Christ, who pervert his grace into something lewd, as well as denying our Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, and that their actions cause others to stray from the faith through false teachings. That would be a harsh letter to get, but it would be a stern warning that we needed to be diligent in keeping these people away. Now imagine Paul writing you to tell you to love your neighbors or to honor your husband or to love your wife. And what if Peter wanted to give you hope? Let's look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through the faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while it may be you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with the joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, the epistles still give us encouragement and hope, even in today's crumbling world. And let's face it, this world is in trouble. We lose our hope and our faith, then we will be in trouble as well. I want to encourage you as you read the epistles over the next few months to look at what is being said and what they are telling you. You can expect to read some harsh truths as well as encouragements. And these encouragements will give you hope for the coming days ahead. The world is temporary but eternal life is forever. This life is hard, but God's word gives us strength in our faith. Why does it talk to us even today? Hebrews has the answer to that. We'll go to Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same examples of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And because the word of God is living and powerful, it still speaks to us even today. 2,000 years later, 1,900 years later, depending on time frame. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun, and that is human behavior does not change. Human nature does not change. 
we have an old sin nature. The old sin nature does not change, so therefore we must change, and the only way to do that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. We read his word, we study his word, we pursue a relationship through study and prayer. We pursue relationships with other believers. As we see in Proverbs 27:17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So we increase our faith through fellowship and Thursday morning prayers with like-minded believers. So as we begin tomorrow in this book, we dive into the epistles, we begin with 1 Corinthians. I want you to believe that these letters could have been written for you. Take what is written and apply it in your life. Watch the daily videos that the pastors produce that read the daily readings. In addition to giving a short devotional over the material on how we can use it in our daily lives to become more like Jesus. These are words that are said during these videos. Call it story time with our pastors if it makes you feel better about watching them. Because that's what it is. We read through the scripture. We give a devotional over it so that it can help you in your daily lives. Everybody lives a good story, right? So if these letters hit home and seem relative in your life today, I want you to remember that it is. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, verses 24 and 25. And this is because all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, and the grass withers, and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Peter is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6 here. The word of the Lord endures forever. It is just as relevant today as it ever was. So I want to leave you with this blessing from Paul. Now this is not going to be on the screen, but I want you to listen to it. This is from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 through 28. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet, each, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for these epistles that were preserved for us in Scripture so that we can learn more of how to become better Christians, so that we can pursue your will for our lives, and so that we can see how relevant they are for us today. Father, help us to overcome any sins that hold us back from completely going all in today in a complete relationship with you. And please give us the strength of faith to follow the reading of these epistles and understand how, they, how to apply their teachings into our lives. Strengthen our faith, strengthen our resolve, and grant us the boldness to speak your truth to those around us. 
Lord, give us peace and grace, and may our lives lead others to the blessings that we have found through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.